This is VOA News. This is African News Tonight on The Voice of America. Hello, welcome to VOA Africa. Thank you for joining us. I'm Peter Clotty, and here's what's coming. SADC has 16 member states, so we were actually expecting that countries like Angola, for example, would have a larger presence in the SAMIM force. That was analyst Liesel Lou Vadran on the SADC force in Mozambique. Our right activists in South Sudan have doubts about new agreement on security. All this and more coming up on African News Tonight. Southern African countries have agreed to extend their troop deployment in Mozambique until mid-July to help the government fight insurgents linked to the Islamic State International Terror Group. Soldiers from some of the Southern Africa Development Community or SADC, Bloc of Nations plus Rwanda, have been in Mozambique's northern Cabo Delgado province since last July. Extremists there have killed and displaced thousands of people since late 2017. Daring Taylor reports from Johannesburg. The Islamic State militants claim to be fighting for greater access to wealth from natural gas deposits for locals. But they often attack villages and towns, killing residents and even executing some by beheading. At a meeting in Pretoria on Sunday, Southern African Development Community officials agreed to extend the bloc's military operation in northern Mozambique. Some military analysts have told VOA the SADC counterinsurgency operation, which goes by the acronym SAMEM, is underfunded and undermanned. Institute for Security Studies analyst Liesel Lowe-Vordren says most SADC members aren't making significant contributions to the mission. SADC has 16 member states, so we were actually expecting that countries like Angola, for example, would have a larger presence in the SAMIM force, which hasn't been the case. Also, countries like Zimbabwe initially announced some contributions. Now, we know most countries in the region have got funding constraints and in terms of their military. At the moment, it's... As a result, the troops in Cabo Delgado are mostly from South Africa. Africa and Rwanda, which isn't even a member of SADC. SAMEM also includes soldiers from Tanzania, Botswana and Lesotho. Even in January, when the SADC summit was held in Malawi, there was again an appeal for countries. There was talk of Zambia also contributing more to the force. Countries are paying because actually up to now, SAMIM has been self-financed by SADC member states. So some member states are not sending truth, they are actually sending financing, which is quite rare on the African continent. Most of the multilateral deployments are usually funded by outside sources, the EU, etc. Low Vaudrin says SAMIM troops have managed to secure parts of Cabo Delgado, but the war against the militants in Mozambique is far from over. It would be wrong to create the impression that actually all of Cabo Delgado is safe for people to return. They're almost weekly or twice weekly, there are attacks. There was a big attack just now, I think about two weeks ago, not even, on an island off the coast of Cabo Delgado where there were about 20 casualties. So it was Samim and the Mozambican forces that fought off these insurgents who came to the island, heavy fighting for several days. So, you know, it's 
definitely not as But she adds, power. Southern African and Rwandese troops have made gains in the last few months. Key routes have been opened up. In some instances, people have been able to return, although in a very limited way. At this point, Samim has the most difficult task because it's basically based in three districts, Makomia on, on the coast, but others near the Tanzanian border and more inland. It's a vast area to patrol. And, you know... Low Vaudrin says IS is making the mission more difficult by moving its fighters in and out of Mozambique almost constantly in keeping with tactics used by other terror groups in Africa. She says IS Mozambique withdraws from one area only to reappear in another part of Cabo Delgado with reinforcements. For VOA News, I'm Darren Taylor in Johannesburg. South Sudanese civil society activists have cautiously welcomed a security deal reached yesterday by parties to the 2018 peace agreement. The SPLM in government SPLM in opposition and the South Sudan Opposition Alliance signed a deal to form a unified armed forces command. Civil society activists say the party should quickly implement the agreement to restore hope among the South Sudanese people. Wake Simon Wudo reports for VOA from Juba. The deal mediated by Sudan stipulates how opposition commanders will be integrated into the command structure of the country's unified armed forces. President Salva Kiir, First Vice President Riyak Machar, and Vice President Hassan Abdelbagi Akol also agreed to create the Unified Armed Forces Command within one week and to graduate and deploy Unified Forces in training camps within two months. Civil society activists say while they welcome the deal, they want the parties to implement it quickly. Bol Deng, executive director of Intrepid South Sudan, a local rights organization, told the South Sudan in focus, activists want to see action, not lip service, from South Sudan's leaders. We do not have a guarantee, uh, especially the, uh, the civil population in this country, do not, do not have any guarantee that their leaders will implement this peace agreement. Uh, you know, uh, however much they are given chances again and again. Uh, they have failed many times, they have agreed many times, and they will continue to fail. So we, we do not have a guarantee that now they have signed this, they will uh, implement it as they have signed it. We do not know. South Sudanese lawyer Kenya Sin Abdallah says the deal on a unified command structure is long overdue. He expressed skepticism about whether the parties will implement the deal. What I need to see from the parties is to start the process of unification of the forces by graduating them without any conditions of saying there is no available weapons or guns for them to be graduated with. Then after graduation, then the unified forces must be deployed in war-torn areas to restore peace and security, to allow citizens who are displaced to return to their home with the hope of finding for a lasting peace in their own country. The deal requires the three parties to share the command structure in all security agencies, including the Army, Police and National Security Service. First Vice President Riyak Machar's spokesperson, Pork Both Baluang, tells VOA the parties have agreed to a 60 to 40 percent ratio for the SPLM in government and the opposition respectively in the Army's command structure.
They also agreed to a 57 to 43 percent ratio in the national security service sector with the SPLM in government having the larger percentage. The parties also agreed on implementing a matrix under which senior officers of the SPLMIO and the South Sudan Opposition Alliance OSOA are appointed by presidential order into the unified command structure within a week's time and all unified forces graduate within two weeks. Martin Abucha, the SPLMAIO representative who signed the deal on behalf of his party, says the deal should step up the implementation of security arrangements. Not everything is perfect, but we want to say that we want to move the country forward. We, despite the challenges, despite the fact that not everything has been done, but what is important is let's move the country forward. Barnaba Marial Benjamin, South Sudan's Presidential Affairs Minister, says the deal will pave the way for restoring stability across the country. This is a necessary step which will make us go through the important steps of the graduation of forces as a chorus and then the recruitment of more in the controlment side so that chapter 2 opens the route for a stable government of the Republic of South the deal, mediated by Deputy Head of Sudan's Sovereign Council, Mohamed Hamdan Daglo, will see President Kir relinquish some key positions in security agencies to the opposition. Sudan's Defense Minister Yassin Ibrahim, who accompanied Daglo to Juba spoke after the deal was signed. We have reached and signed this agreement and all the parties have accepted the deal. From this agreement, the parties will practically begin to implement Chapter 2 of the Peace Agreement because the security arrangements are the core of the agreement. The security arrangements is part of the 2018 Revitalized Peace Agreement. At that time, the parties did not agree on how to share the command structure of the unified forces. For viewer news, I'm working Simon Wudo in Juba. A week after gunmen attacked a train in northwestern Nigeria, the Nigerian Railway Corporation, or NRC, says the whereabouts of 168 passengers are still unknown. Late Sunday, the NRC said of the 362 passengers on the train when it was attacked, 186 had been confirmed safe. The NRC said efforts are still underway to rescue the missing passengers. At least eight people were killed on March 28 when gunmen detonated a bomb on the track and opened fire on the train linking the capital Abuja with the northwestern city of Kaduna. President Mohamed Buhari has said some passengers were kidnapped and survivors said gunmen snatched a number of passengers but it is not clear how many. It was the latest deadly assault blamed on heavily armed criminal gangs in the region. A rights group and a witness say suspected Islamist militants killed at least 21 civilians in an overnight attack on a village in Eastern Democratic Republic of Congo. Ricardo Rupandi, president of the Ruenzori Sector Civil Society Organization, said today that fighters believed to be from the Allied Democratic Forces or ADF attacked the village of Masambo. The ADF rebel militia originated in Uganda decades ago and has operated in Eastern DRC since the 1990s. It has been blamed for thousands of deaths since a resurgence in 2013. Masambo resident Kakule Sanani said militants attacked the village with machetes and hatchets late Sunday night. 
For more background on the long-running violence in the Eastern DRC, reporter Zanem Neti Zaidi in Goma tells us about conflicts between farmers and herders that often occur in North Kivu province. At the root of the problem is the lack of grazing land, which causes unattended cattle to feed in farmers' fields, often leading to violent altercations. It is nine o'clock in the morning in Ruchuru. Bawere Buzige, a farmer from the Buisha chiefdom, has come to lodge a complaint at the chiefdom office. He says that his problem is related to the devastation of his 50 square meter fields of soybeans by stray cows. In his area, farmers don't have a place to graze their animals and let them wander into other people's fields. When such conveniences occur, herders and farmers seek amicable solutions but this does not always end as desired, says Hedo Desirebi Hege. He tells me that their cattle often destroy fields, but the leaf talk head usually sit down with the farmers to find a compromise. Unfortunately, he says, they have a hard time sticking to the terms, which leads to conflicts and sometimes every war. But for the ordinary farmer or header in North Kivu, the state could take action to resolve the conflicts. Vincent Limwagabo is a member of the board of directors of Akojenoki, an association of farmers' cooperatives in North Kivu. He tells me that several community pastures have been sold to individual owners, but that the Congolese state should re-establish the system of community pastures where everyone can keep their livestock. The overwhelming majority of the population of Ruchuru and Niragongo live from agriculture and cattle raising which explains why a crisis between the communities could be serious and peaceful relations that have traditionally reigned between them. Authorities did not respond to our requests for reaction to the problem. Zanem Netizaidi in Goma for VOA News. Botswana has become the first country in Africa to approve the use of the Texas-made COVID-19 vaccine, Cobivax. Botswana's president and California biotech company Nantworks made the announcement Monday as they began construction of a plan to produce COVID-19 vaccines and drugs to fight cancer. Nkodisi Dupe reports from Habaroni, Botswana. CEO of biotech firm Nantworks, Patrick Sunshong, announced on Monday that Botswana's Medicines Regulatory Authority, BOMRA, had approved the COVID-19 jab. He made the announcement at a groundbreaking ceremony for a vaccine and cancer drug production facility, along with Botswana's President Mukwezi Masisi. I'm pleased to announce, Mr. President, with the incredibly hard work of both the Minister of Health, thank you, with Vasili, and with BOMRA, today we announce Africa's first approved vaccine for Africa by Botswana. Copavex is a patent-free COVID vaccine 
developed by the Baylor College of Medicine in Texas Children's Hospital in the United States. It has been used in Bangladesh, India, and Indonesia. Sun Xiong said the first consignment will be delivered to Botswana for distribution across Africa. This vaccine, called Pulocobovax, has been tested and shown to be active against every variant, including Omicron. I got a commitment to this morning before I arrived, that effective immediately, Botswana will have access effective immediately to 100 million doses of this vaccine that it can distribute. The plant, which is expected to be operational by 2026, plans to produce vaccines for COVID and other diseases, as well as cancer treatment drugs. President Masisi said the plant heralds a new dawn for the production of pharmaceuticals on the continent. This is particularly noteworthy in the Africa region, which bears a disproportionate disease burden exacerbated by the limitation of resources and capabilities to address these public health challenges. We are determined to dictate a new legacy associated with access to medicines, vaccines, and other health technologies. Masisi said the facility would help address vaccine inequality in Africa, where less than 20% of the population is fully vaccinated against COVID two years into the pandemic. Disparities in the distribution of vaccines across the world resulted in a lopsided vaccination drive that seriously hampered efforts to effectively contain the COVID-19 worldwide. This problem has been aptly defined as vaccine nationalism. It is therefore our intent, our conviction, that the opening of this vaccine manufacturing facility will go a long way in changing this narrative. Botswana's health minister Edwin Dikolodi says the project would also help treat chronic diseases. This day marks a new level in our scientific development and advancement. It signifies a new technological breakthrough that will see us as not just a consumer, but also a manufacturer of vaccines and other medications that will come out of this magnificent project. Botswana's vaccine manufacturing facility will be the second in Africa being built by Sun Xiong. In January, the South African-born U.S. billionaire opened a similar facility in Cape Town. Mkondisi Dube for VOA News, Haburoni, Botswana. Following last month's by-elections in Zimbabwe, newly elected lawmakers will fill parliament and local government seats that became vacant due to party recourse and deaths of incumbents. The polls were seen as a preview of next year's elections when the opposition hopes to unseat the ruling ZANU-PF party. Kutais Venavashi has more for VOA from Harare. Nelson Chamisa is president of the Citizens Coalition for Change party, which was the biggest winner in Saturday's by-elections. And what we have now is 19 seats out of the contested 28. A resounding victory, an emphatic and landslide show by the citizens of the country. Had it not been for rigging and other shenanigans that we saw, particularly in the countryside, would be talking of uh, almost uh, 26 out of 28. But tell you what, the citizens are very clear. They've made a bold statement. Chamisa says the run-up to the by-elections was marred by violence. We even lost one of our members. Some of our supporters were beaten and arrested. And many others were injured in Arare, in Kwekwe, and in the various parts of our country. One of our candidates in Mashalala and Central, their homestead destroyed. 
Zimbabwean political analyst Pride Mukono says the absence of violence on the day of elections does minimize the fact that many other violations took place in the lead up to that day. There were clear moves to manipulate the election by the, the ruling parties and the PF. They were fought buying, using millimeter, groceries, and even money. Political analyst Vivid Gwede says the Zimbabwe Election Commission, or ZEC, has a lot of work to do ahead of next year's elections. If nothing is done to redress some of the concerns that have been raised by the opposition, such as uh, the state of the voters' row, uh, the cases of violence and reports of manipulation, we might blindly to walk into another disputed election in 2023. In the aftermath of the by-elections, political actors say they are not taking a break from their campaigns as they gear up for next year's elections. ZANU-PF has been in power since Zimbabwe's independence in 1980. For VOA, this is Kudzai from Harare. African DJ and music producer Nkosinati Makumulu, popularly known as DJ Black Coffee, who won his first Grammy Award Sunday night. Black Coffee is the first African to win in the category Best Dance Electronic Album for his album Subconsciously. Bamba by Anjali Kiji. Last night's 64th Grammy Awards in Las Vegas, the star from Benin scooped up her fifth award, taking the best world music album for him for her album Mother Nature. In a speech, she thanked the Nigerian stars who appeared on the album, Brenna Boy, Yemi Alade, and Mr. Easy. South African comedian Trevor Noah and star of the U.S. program The Daily Show was the host for the show. And that wraps up this edition of African News Tonight. I'm Peter Clotting in Washington. For all latest developments on the continent 24-7, visit our website at voanews.com. And thank you again for tuning in and choosing the voice of America. host of Music Time in Africa. Join me every Saturday and Sunday for an hour of awesome African music. Wake up, dance this music. Like to stay on top of new music trends? Breakout artists? New releases? Maybe you just love the classic styles and artists of the past. Or simply the sound and feel of a good beat. Whatever your pleasure, you can get it every week right here on Music Time in Africa. So join me on your local FM station Saturdays and Sundays at 1500 and 2000 UTC.
Hello, I'm Carol Castiel, host of Press Conference USA, VOA's newsmaker interview program. Join us each Saturday and Sunday when we talk with authors, analysts, and policymakers who provide fresh insight on topics ranging from U.S. politics and foreign policy to science, culture, and global health. You can listen to Press Conference USA on the radio or online at voanews.com slash PCUSA. While you're visiting our website, be sure to subscribe to our podcast. We'd also love to hear from you. Just send an email to PCUSA at voanews.com or connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash VOA or on Twitter at VOA. That's Press Conference USA every Saturday and Sunday on The Voice of America. VOA brings you the best in African music on the African beat. African Beat showcases the latest and the greatest of contemporary African music. From bobo music to hip life, bonga flavor to sukus, Afrobeat to Dumbolo and Makosa to Kwaito. The African Beat on VOA has it all. And it's happening right here, Mondays through Fridays at 0905 and 